Will you turn with me in your Bibles or your bulletins um, in John chapter 5, verses 30 through 47, as we continue our study from the book of John, John chapter 5, verses 30 through 47. This is the word of God. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek no my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Know that the testimony that I receive is from men, but I say this thing so that you may be saved. He was a burning and a shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself bore witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one who sent, who he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If anyone comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accused you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you will believe me. For he wrote of me, but if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we know from your word that the only way we can understand these words is through the power of the Holy Spirit. That there is spiritual truth here that can only be understood through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we thank you, Lord, that you have given us the Holy Spirit to understand these words, that you have given us the gift of faith to trust in you for salvation, that you have spoken and continue to speak to us through your word. May you help us as we consider these verses to grow in our faith, to be energized about witnessing about our Lord Jesus to others. And may you help those who are hearing your voice 
even for the first time or maybe many times by this point, that you may send the Holy Spirit to them so they might believe in you for salvation as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're closing uh, John chapter 5 after four messages. This will be the fourth message from this chapter. And it's been interesting uh, to see how Jesus is speaking to uh, religious leaders, but at the same time he's speaking to us as well as Christians after more than 2,000 years, he continued to speak to us through his word. And everything started when our Lord Jesus Christ healed this man who had been a paralytic for 38 years, and he did it on a Sabbath day. He told the man, pick up your bed and walk. The very thing he did, showing the power of Christ to heal illnesses. And the religious leaders who saw this man, they were upset because he was walking, carrying a bag on a Sabbath day. They thought he was breaking the law. They asked who was the person who told him to do that, and the paralytic pointed to Jesus. And when Jesus was in front of them, he answered to them, my father is working until now, and I am working. They were already upset with Jesus, and they were persecuting Jesus, but now they wanted to kill Jesus because he was calling himself God. Then what Jesus does throughout this chapter after this miracle, after this sign that was pointing to his glory is to explain to them who he was, that he was God, and to defend himself, to defend his point, that he was God. This is basically what we see in these verses, the last final verses that we are looking at today. I would say that Jesus is acting as his own lawyer. He's defending himself, but he's also acting as the prosecutor of those who were Accuse him, him. Jesus is defending himself not to say, you guys misunderstood what I said. I didn't mean to say that I was God. You misunderstood what I said. This is not what Jesus was doing. What Jesus was doing is to prove to them that he was what they understood what he said. That he was God. And in his defense, which is the first thing that we're going to see, Jesus present before them four witnesses, four witnesses of who he was. The first witness is God the Father. In verse 30, Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek no my own will, but the will of him who sent me. With this, Jesus is not saying that, that he is not able to do things on his own, as if he is powerless to accomplish something, but he is repeating something that he has just said before, that him and the Father are one. That the will of the Father and the will of the Son is the same will. We understand that Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to the Father 
But we understand that he submits to the Father in his humanity. In his humanity, he submits to the will of the Father, which is the same will of him because he is divine. When Jesus is saying, I can do nothing on my own because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me, he is saying, my Father and I share the same will, have the same will. And then he says these words, if anyone bear witness about myself, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. First of all, you, you need to understand that Jesus is not saying here that he cannot speak by himself in other occasions when he will be speaking truth, when he will be speaking and preaching the gospel. Because he does that throughout the gospel, throughout his testimony, throughout his ministry, he is preaching the gospel. He is saying this in the context of his defense. What he's saying to them is that in his context or in this context where he's defending himself before the religious leaders, he needed witnesses and he have the witnesses to provide for them. Then Jesus says there is one or there is another who bears witness about me. And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. Who is that another who bears witness about me? We have to understand this in the context of that. He has just said, the one who sent me, does God the Father, is his first witness before them. God the Father is his witness because throughout the history of humanity, throughout the history of the church or Israel, God spoke about Jesus through his prophets. He pointed to the one who was to come, who will be the Messiah, who will be savior of his people. He was his witness. In fact, if we look down in verse 37, he says like this, and the father who sent me has himself bore witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his, his form you have never seen. His voice you have never heard, though they heard his voice through the Old Testament that was speaking about Jesus. In fact, you could even say that Jesus could have been talking about the moment when God the Father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And they couldn't hear that because they were not there present. But God the Father testified that Jesus is who Jesus said he was. But there is another way in which Jesus is saying that God is his witness. And it's a very, very powerful way. Think for a moment. Jesus said that he was God. Jesus confessed that. We see that through the verses that we just read in the previous verses of chapter 5. If Jesus was no God, but he said that he was God, what he will be doing is committing blasphemy. And if that was the case, God the Father would have never supported Jesus' ministry doing the signs 
that he did. Think for a moment, if, if Jesus was just a prophet and he was no God, will God support Jesus when he did the signs that he did? Of course, he will have not. The fact that God the Father was there and supported Jesus because shared his own will is a proof and a demonstration that he was a witness that Jesus was who he said he was, that Jesus himself was God. Then this is what Jesus is telling again to the religious leaders. The Father, God the Father, is my witness. There is another who bear witness about me. That's the Father. He himself sent me and he bore witness about me. The second witness that Jesus presents to them is John the Baptist. And you can read that in verse 33. You sent to John and he has bore witness about the truth. This is the moment when John is baptizing in the desert and the religious leaders send a committee to check with what authority John was baptizing. And John confessed, and he said, I am not the Messiah. But he pointed to the one who was the Messiah. Now Jesus is saying that John bore witness to the truth. If John was mistaken by pointing to Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus would have said, John bore witness, but I am not the one. Jesus here is confirming that the testimony that John said was the truth. That John was not even worthy to untie the sandals of Jesus. That Jesus was before John because Jesus has been forever. He's been there for eternity. Jesus here is confirming that the testimony of Jesus, that the testimony of John the Baptist was the truth. He says in verse 35, he was a burning and shining lamp and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. There were many who came to John and heard his testimony. Think for a moment, 400 years of silence and God has sent the last prophet of the Old Testament to announce the coming of the Messiah. Many were excited about it. But many went there and they realized that their message or that his message didn't meet their expectations and they became John's enemies. This is why he's saying, or Jesus is saying, you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. He's telling to the religious leaders, look at my witness, John the Baptist. He spoke about me and he said the truth. The third witness that Jesus is presenting here is the works that he did, the miraculous signs. This is why they are called signs, because they are pointing to a greater reality. Verse 36 says, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. He's saying, we have the testimony of John, which is truth, which is speaking the truth. Now I have something that is greater than the words that John utters. 
What is that testimony? He says, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Jesus is saying, look at the wedding of Canaan. I converted water into wine. Look at my conversation with the Samaritan woman. I knew all about her life. And the people of the town came to me, and I was also able to tell them about their lives. Look at the healing of the official son. I didn't even have to go there, but I was able to heal him. And look at the more recent one, the one for you have been accusing me. This man, 38 years being a paralytic, I was able to tell him with the power of my word, take out your bed and walk. These are the works that the father sent the son to do. These are the signs that the father sent the son to do. For what? So that people might believe in him and be saved. The signs and wonders that Jesus did had a purpose. They were a first taste of what was to come, which is the new world that he was making, but they were also there to point people to Christ so that people could see the glory of Christ, so that people could see that Jesus was God incarnate. This is why Jesus is saying, the testimony that I have is greater than the one that John is giving to you. It's the testimony of the signs that I have done. And the fourth witness that he presents to them is something that probably they did not see coming. He says in verse 37, and the, no, sorry, in verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Jesus is speaking to professionals of the word of God. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders. Their lives was about studying, research, search the word of God, understand it, interpret it to others, teach it to others. This is what they were supposed to do. And Jesus, this is why he's saying to them, you search the scriptures. Why did they search the scriptures? Because they think that through searching the scriptures, they will find eternal life. They were looking for eternal life. The problem is that they miss what eternal life was about. That the scriptures were bearing testimony about Jesus. That the whole word of God is about Jesus, starting from Genesis until the end, is pointing to Christ. He goes even further to say what he says to them in verse 45. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accused you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. He's saying even Moses, the one who wrote the Pentateuch, even Moses is speaking about me. Because the Old Testament, the Bible, is about me. He says, for if you believe Moses, you will believe me. For he wrote 
of me. In other words, Jesus is confronting that, confronting them with the fact that though they were the teachers of the law, they missed the most important message consigned in the Bible, which is that it was all about Christ. It was all about Jesus. Then what have Jesus done so far in these verses? He looked at them. He said, yes, I confess that I am the Christ, that I am the Savior, that my Father and I share the same will. Here are my four witnesses. The Father, John the Baptist, the works that I have done that the Father sent me to do, the signs, but the Word of God is also my witness. Until this point, Jesus has acted as his lawyer defending his case. But then he moved into become their prosecutor. And he has an indictment of four charges for them. The first one is that that you find in verse 38. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one who he has sent. Think about what Jesus is saying to them. After that, he will say, you search the scriptures. You read the word. You study the word. You teach the word. All you do during the week, if you are a religious leader, is that you focus in studying and teaching the word to others. But the problem is that even though you study the word, you do not have the word of God abiding in you. Why? Why they didn't have the word abiding in them? Because they did not believe in Jesus. And this is for anyone in any time. You can read the word, you can study the word, you can be into the word, but you will not have the word abiding in you if you not have if you have not submitted your life to Christ. Because the word of God will point you to Christ. That's what the word of God does. And that doesn't simply mean that you will believe and confess, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Lord. But it's more than that. It is that I submit and surrender my life to Christ. That is what it means that the word of God is abiding in me. The second charge that he has for them is that they refuse to come to him. It says, for it. Yet, you refuse to come to me that you may have life. What does it take to come to Jesus? It takes humility. It takes recognizing who we are, recognizing our brokenness, and recognizing our need of Christ. And that was what was on their way to Christ, that they will have to recognize their brokenness. And therefore, they were not willing to do that. They have refused to come to Christ. He was in front of them. He has showed them the witnesses. John the Baptist has spoken about him. They have seen the signs and wonders that were signs that point to the glory of Christ, but they refused. As we read in the book of Romans, people suppress the truth. Even the truth is evident to them. The third charge that he has to them 
is what we find in verse 41. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Think for a moment an example, a very close example that will show that they didn't have the love of God in them. It's the paralytic. Think about this. What did they say to the paralytic when they saw him walking for the first time after 38 years? You are breaking the Sabbath. Right? They, didn't, they couldn't see with God's love or God's eyes of love towards the man to rejoice and celebrate in what God has done and also to join the man in his joy. Because I'm sure that when the man was walking with his tent, he was walking really happy. He was really having a good day because he was able to walk with his tent in his hands after 38 years. But they could not see with the eyes of God, the eyes of mercy towards people. And that's what has happened with the religious leaders throughout the time. They were focused in teaching the law, but they had no love for others. And the fourth charge that he has with them is what we find in verse 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Think about the first question. How can you believe? Meaning that in order to believe, we need to stop seeking our own glory or be glorified by others, but seek the glory of God. And that's the problem that they have. They could not seek God's glory, but they were seeking to be glorified and to glorify one another. This is what Jesus is presenting to them, but... Think for a moment, these are things that we, in our time, can be dealing with as well. Our faith in Christ requires that we surrender ourselves to Christ, trusting in him for salvation, but understanding that all the glory is to Christ. That there is nothing that we can bring to the table to say, I earned this or that. It is all to Christ's glory. Now, we have seen the four witnesses that Jesus presented to them. Now, I want you to think about who are the witnesses of Christ today in our time. The third witness continues to be God's word. But now, we have not only the Old Testament that post pointing to the prophecy of Christ's coming, but we have the gospel that witnessed to us that Christ actually came, that he took flesh, that he did all the signs that he did, that he taught his people, that he went to the cross, that he died, and that he resurrected, and there were witnesses of his resurrection. And then that his apostles went out and shared the gospel, and many people came to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. All these through the power of the word of God. And this is something that you should trust. 
that God is speaking to this word. Don't be afraid to say these words to others because God transformed people's life through the testimony of God's word. The second witness that we have today is what Jesus told Nicodemus. No one can see the kingdom of God or enter into the kingdom of God unless that person is born again. It's the testimony of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that opened the eyes of the hearts of people to see the truth of the gospel. You can read all God's word, but if the Holy Spirit does not come into your heart and open your eyes, you will not be able to see the truth of the gospel. The Holy Spirit testify to the heart of the individual that what the word of God is saying is the truth. And the third witness that we have today is us, is the church. We are the aroma of Christ to those who are being saved. We are the aroma of Christ as well to those who are perishing. The church gathered together on Sundays and worshiped God, and that's a testimony to the world that we worship God, that there is but one God, that this is the most important day of the week for Christians, believers. But not just in this way that the church testified to the world. We all testify to the world in the way we witness and we're willing to witness to others about who Christ is. The word of God, the Holy Spirit, and the church are the witnesses of Christ. May God help us to testify about his goodness, his grace, his greatness during this week as we go into the world with God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called people like us who are still in great need of your grace daily to be your witnesses into the world. We thank you that you have given us your word, that in them we find the truth of the gospel. We find words of eternal life. Help us, Lord, to search the scriptures, but not only to search them, but to abide in them. Help us to be your witnesses to those who are our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, our people around us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.